By the last decade of the 17th century, Britain had experienced 50 years of turmoil. Civil war, the execution of a king, a protectorate, and then the restoration of the monarchy in 1660. But by the 1680s, conflict once more loomed between the king and his people. In the parliamentary archive, there's a document which speaks of those times and which had a profound effect on the subsequent development of parliamentary democracy. It's the Bill of Rights of 1689. Dr Paul Seward of the History of Parliament Trust explains how the document ushered in a new monarch and a new political order. It's often said that Britain doesn't have a written constitution. Well, this is the thing that's closest to a written constitution. It's the only real statement of how the country should be governed within a single document. And like most constitutional documents, it has a context. It goes back to those turbulent events of the 17th century and a a major political crisis which is resolved through this document, which records a deal, a constitutional deal which was done in 1689. What were those events? James II has a major and very difficult project in mind, which is to bring Roman Catholicism back into the country. England is a very strongly Protestant country and very resistant to that project. James II tries to persuade Parliament to remove the legal disabilities on Roman Catholics That, of course, doesn't work. He finds it extraordinarily difficult to persuade Parliament in 1685 to make any concessions, and as a result, he dismisses Parliament, and he starts to look for other means of doing it, using the royal prerogative, using his own powers, in fact, extending his own powers, and claiming to dispense with existing legislation or suspend existing legislation. But the arbitrary nature in which James was trying to achieve his ends involved riding roughshod over a series of rights which Englishmen and Englishwomen cherished very strongly. The result was a revolution in which James lost his throne, which was then offered to another Protestant prince, William of Orange, ruler of the Netherlands. William duly arrived with an army to claim his crown, but the power brokers in Parliament were wary of replacing one tyrant with another. So a deal was struck legitimacy for William's throne in return for a guarantee of political rights for Parliament, rights that were documented in this very Bill of Rights. It lists all of the things that they felt had gone wrong under the reigns of Charles II and James II, the the abuses that had been committed in terms of law, in terms of the rights of Parliament and so on, and it, it clearly says that we don't want these things to happen again. And then it makes the explicit offer of the Crown. That deal, you can read some of that in another document, which is at the side of here, which is the draft Declaration of Rights, which preceded the final published document. How does that allow us to read the kind of machinations and the politicking that was going on between this foreign prince and British power brokers? What happens is that a parliament is called, a very extraordinary parliament under William's authority. Parliament meets at the end of January 1689 and among the first things they do is an attempt to sort out this mess that they find themselves in now without a king, 
with an occupying army and the need to decide who really holds power in the country. And that's reflected in, in this document and in a series of documents which are hammered out between the House of Commons and the House of Lords at the right at the end of January and the beginning of February. And hammered out's a good phrase because looking at the document it's pretty scruffy. There's a huge ink block on the front page and it's full of scrawlings out and crossed out sections. Yes, the ink block looks as if somebody's had a row over it and spilt the ink over it. In fact, there's no particular evidence that that's what's happened, but um, it's, it's nice to think that might have done. What this particular document is, is a draft of the Declaration of Rights, which the House of Commons decides has to go with the offer of the Crown. They put together a draft and they communicate this to the Lords, and this is the document that the Lords takes away. So there's crossings out are amendments made by the Lords to a Commons document. What was the nature of the deal that was being thrashed out here? What were the rights that were being asserted by Parliament? This document listed what the House of Commons and the House of Lords found offensive, objectionable about the way in which the government had been run over the last 10 years. So there's this 13-point list, and the first couple of them are the dispensing power and the suspending power the right that the kings had claimed to just say, well, we don't like these Acts of Parliament, so we're not going to enforce them. That's quite a powerful statement, and it's Parliament saying the king cannot override the will of Parliament. Yes, it is an assertion by Parliament that this sort of thing just can't be allowed to happen. This is a very strong statement that Parliament is the legislative power, yes. How much is this document about the powers of Parliament as a body, and how much is it about the rights of individuals? There's a lot about the the powers of Parliament. It also talks about no extra-parliamentary taxation. It insists that um, taxation has to be by Parliament. It insists that parliamentary elections should be free from government interference. But it also talks about the legal system and how individuals should be treated by the courts. During the 1680s there had been many violations of proper legal procedure in the courts, uh, the courts being used to attack political opponents of James II and and Charles II and those sort of things are are ruled out. Yes it is about the major constitutional issue, the, the parliament and the crown, but it is also about individual rights in that way. If you had to summarise how this document symbolises a fundamental change between monarch and parliament, how would you describe it? It is the foundation of the modern way in which government is conducted, of the power of parliament and the limited power of the monarchy. In effect, this document says that these are the legal rights and liberties of Englishmen and we assume, Prince William, that you're going to accept them and on that assumption we are happy that you should take the crown. But it does mean that he is in some ways a parliamentary monarch. He rules by the acceptance of a parliament. Parliament after that becomes an annual body. It starts to become recognisable as the parliament we see today. This document and and the whole events of 1689, I think, changed the monarchy irrevocably. You have been listening to a Parliament podcast. For more information about Parliament, please visit www.parliament.uk.